with you today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is our one of our baptism weekends, and we will be uh, having a, a baptism celebration on our parking lot uh, uh, this weekend. So, um, but I want to just t t take a look back at uh, what Gary talked about last week. If you had a chance to watch it online or listen to it, you would have heard him talk about a number of steps that, as Jesus followers, um, we we take. Uh, throughout the time that we follow Christ. And he said it starts with following, uh, then which leads to believing. And, you know, once you've followed and believed, it leads to obedience. And I, I just wanted to ask you a question, and I had to ask it myself as well. In, in your life, which of those steps do you think that most describes or best describes you right now? Are you a follower? Are you a believer? Or are you are you an obeyer? You know, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and it's actually 1 Corinthians 13, 5, and he says to them this, he says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. You know, test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. I think it's interesting that he would tell them, to, writing to believers and say, hey, would you, would you test yourselves? You know, you get, to, you, get to, you get to take the test, and you get to mark the test. He says, I want you to be honest with yourself um, and to, to examine that whether your faith, whether this faith that you have or think you have, is it genuine? You know, we, as we read through Revelation, we read that John would write something similar to the churches in Revelation uh, as Jesus had spoken through him. To some, he said, you know, you think you're rich and you think you're doing good, but, but are you really? And he would reveal to them that they, they really weren't. He said to others, you know, you think everything is going great, but he says, but he says, you're really not hot, you're not cold, you're just lukewarm. And, and in this letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes to them and says, would you just test yourself? You know, before you get corrected, would you just, would you just ask yourself this question? And that's my question for us today is, uh, are, where are you at really? And I'd love to look at that um, in the context of uh, this topic of baptism today. Where are you at Really? You know, James said to the, to the believers in uh, James 1.22, he writes, you know, don't, uh, don't be just doers of the word, or, or don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers. And if you're not, he says, you're deceiving yourself. You know, as we look around today, I, I can see that there are many, many people who are being deceived by others right now. But I also know that in the church, there are many, many people who are being deceived by themselves. And the thing is, they don't even realize it, because we don't realize it when we're deceiving ourselves unless truth comes in. And I hope for this moment that we might just allow his truth, his word to come in and just reveal what's really going on in our hearts. That we would examine our hearts, test ourselves and see, are we truly living out our, in, in obedience to Jesus as the Lord and master of our life? So, you know, the, the first thing he talked about last week was this idea of being a follower. You know, crowds of people would follow Jesus. They would follow him everywhere. Mark writes about it. It's one of the most used words in his, in his gospel is the word crowd. Uh, but for, for many of them, that was kind of the extent of it. it. You know, we often compare followers and fans. You know, it's the world or the Euro Cup is on. There's all kinds of, you know, flags being flown all over the place. You know, the Habs, the Canadians are still in the Stanley Cup um, final as of right now. And I think sometimes we think, you know, about followers and fans. The difference is that, that a a fan just sort of cheers for the team, but a, a follower, a follower actually wants to become like the person they're following. So, you know, when you watch the Habs um, fans, they're not trying to become like the players on the ice. No, they're sitting on their couch with beer bellies and, you know, bag of chips and just cheering like, yeah, you know, go, we, we're going to do this. <laughs> but they're not actually trying to become like the, uh, like the men on the ice who've, who've dedicated time, who've gone without all those snacks and 
and have put in the time to become great at what they're doing. But there are some that follow. And the question that we have for, for us is, as there was a crowd of people that followed Jesus, and John writes about it in John 6. And, and Jesus talks to them and says, hey, you guys are following me because I, I just fed 5,000 people. And you kinda, you're still hungry, and you're thinking, well, maybe he's going to hook us up with some food. But then Jesus stopped them, and he said, listen, I, I want you to do something more than just follow he challenged them to believe that he was the son of God, that he was the sacrifice for their sins and to put, to have them put their trust in him as their Messiah. And for many of them, that was way too hard to do. And so John, in John 6, actually in verse 66, he says this, at that point, many of his disciples, many of the people who were following Jesus, he said they turned away and they deserted. They stopped following him. Many of them stopped following him, but, but not all of them. John goes on to write this in the next couple of verses that said Jesus then turned to the 12, his original disciples, and he asked them, hey, are you guys going to leave too? And what does Simon Peter say? Simon Peter answers him and says, Lord, where are we going to go? You're the one who has the words that give eternal life. And he says these words, we believe, we believe, and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Like, we don't just, we're not just following you just because you're handing out free, you know, fish sandwiches. We Trust in the fact that you are who you say you are, that you are the Messiah. There's no one else who's giving words of, of eternal life. We, we trust you for that. We trust in you for that. And so we're going to keep following you because we think you're worth following. They didn't know the full story. They didn't know how everything was going to play out, but they knew he was worth following. And they had put their trust in him. Because that's the difference, right? The word believe, when people read that word, they think, oh yeah, I believe. I, I believe there's a God. And that's not what this word is. That's not even what the connotation is. That's not what Jesus was asking. They believed that, that you know, the people following him that, in that day in that crowd, they believed there was a God. They, they even believed that Jesus was a pretty amazing person. But the idea of believe that there is a God, that, that's not what he was calling them to. He was saying, would you put your trust in? Not just believe that there's a God, but do you trust in Jesus as God? That you trust in him as the savior that you need? That you trust in him as the, the new Lord and master of your life? I think that question comes up in our lives often as Jesus followers. Are, is he really master? Is he really Lord? Because the truth is that when you get to that believe, that trust in him as your new master, as your new Lord, it leads to this next step, that final step that, that Gary talked about last week, about obedience. That as we listen for Holy Spirit's voice, it's not just so that we can hear and say, well, I heard the voice of God. It's that we would do what he says, that we would be obedient to what he says. And you know, the, we just saw that Peter had said, hey, we trust in you, Jesus. We believe in you. That led to their obedience. Jesus would give them this command right before he left the planet. And we know it's famous. It's Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. We call it the Great Commission. Uh, so Jesus said to them, so he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. So because I have all authority, uh, I'm telling you as my followers, go into all the world. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And what does he say? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey everything that I have commanded you. And he says, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He, he mentions this command, this command to them, go into the world, wait for Holy Spirit, but then go, go into all the world. And he says, and, and, and make disciples. That's the command that the disciples heard. And then we find out Luke would later write what they did. 
Because remember what James said, don't just hear the word, but be a doer of it. And so we read in Acts, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, that Peter went out and, and with the other disciples and began preaching, began going out into the world, telling them the good news. And, and many believe the good news. And, and here's what it says happened that, that in Acts 2, verse 37, that Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what do we, what do, we do with what you've just told us? And here's Peter's reply, verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's not that baptism brings the forgiveness. It's in, it, it, he says, as a result of your sins being forgiven, because that's what happens when you trust in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. He's saying, that's why he says, be baptized as a result of that. And he says, and then you'll receive the gift of Holy Spirit. And then a couple of verses later in verse 41, he says, those who believed, he's, Luke tells us what happened. He says, those who believed. Not those who followed, those who believed, those who trusted in what Peter was saying and trusted in Jesus as a result. He said that they were baptized and they were added to the church that day. They were added to the gathering, almost 3,000 of them. That's an incredible thought, 3,000 of them. And you know, when we, they talk about this word of, of um, baptism, this was a command that Jesus gave to the disciples. Go out and make disciples and baptize them. Jesus gave the disciples a number of commands. Some of them aren't as clear as others or easily defined. Like he commanded us, go love one another. Well, love one another looks different in different times. And it's repeatable. We need to do that often. And sometimes it's encourage one another. Sometimes it's carry one another's burdens. Uh, it's pray for one another. It's these different things of, of that live out love for one another. Some of the commands he gave us are really difficult. And they need to be repeated often like forgive one another. Forgiveness is not an easy thing for anybody who's been deeply wounded. Uh, but we even know that when Peter asked Jesus, how much am I supposed to forgive? He's like, 70 times 7, like ongoing. This is something that you're going to need to, this command is something you're going to need to keep doing. And, and some of the commands are a little bit, uh, un, you know, not as clear. Some commands are really difficult. But you know, the command of baptism is really clear and it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult to obey. We have, we have the ability to do that uh, often and anywhere. We have lots of water in the places where we are. You know, it's evidently clear in the meaning of the, of the word baptism. It's transliterated to be the word baptism, but the word really means immersion. There's no doubt if you read through scripture, through the New Testament, that the idea of baptism was being immersed, fully immersed, like a sunken ship in water. So, you know, there's this thought of saying, you know, be, be immersed in, in, um, in baptism, be immersed in water, was the command that Jesus said for the disciples to, to baptize uh, others. And we see it all throughout Scripture there when Jesus was um, immersed in the Jordan River. John was going to a place called Salim because there was lots of water there, and that's where he was immersing people in water. Philip, when he was reached out uh, and, and the, the eunuch, from Ethiopia, believed in Jesus. He went down into the water, it says, down into there. Uh, Cornelius and his whole family, once they became followers or believers in Jesus, uh, Peter said, what, like, can we deny them water now that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit? There was a very clear understanding that this was an immersion in water. It was a clear command. It was, uh, and so that's my question for us. In this area of your life, are you clearly obeying Jesus as your Lord and Master? Are you obeying this command? Have you been water baptized? Have you been immersed in water as a 
as a believer, as one who trusts in Jesus. And for some, there's always these questions, right? Like, well, why? Why does it have to be immersion in water? Why does it have to be water baptism? Uh, And my question is this. What does the New Testament clearly teach? Because I know there's all kinds of these things that we have that we think, oh, well, this could be it. This could be it. But the New Testament is extremely clear on this one thing. You know, and so the question is, that's what we have to ask ourselves. What does Jesus command of us? And what does the New Testament teach? Not, Not what does my tradition say? Because for many, there's a tradition that you say, well, I was baptized as a baby. You know, I was sprinkled as an Anglican or as a Presbyterian or a CRC or as a Catholic. And I think that, you know, that should count. But can I tell you, that whole idea of sprinkling, that Jesus did not come up with that. The Catholic Church came up with that because they were afraid that, you know, if babies weren't baptized soon enough, they, they wouldn't be saved. But baptism is not a saving issue. It's an obedience issue. It's about being obedient to a new master. And I would say this, that if we're not obedient to him in these areas, then is he really our master? Do we truly, have we truly put our trust in him? Because trusting in leads to obedience. You know what? I, I think sometimes we want it to be something different, but I often use this illustration. If I, if I commanded my children to go and do the dishes, and then I came back a little while later, and they came and said, Dad, we, we put the dishes in the sink. And I'd be like, uh, well, that's not what I commanded you to do. I commanded you to do the dishes. And I said, well, Dad, we licked them really clean and put them away because they're so clean. And, and I'll be like, that's definitely not what I commanded you to do. And I said, well, shouldn't it count? Well, well, no, because were they in obedience to my command? No, they, they did something different, but it's not what I commanded. You know, I, I, for others, it's like they have opinions about what baptism should be they think you know well i think you know my profession of faith or my church membership or my attendance that should count for that you know like or that you know some what my parents decided for me should count but i would ask you this question for anybody who's married or getting married if you said to your fiance or picture back before you got married you said to your fiance you know i don't think we actually need to have a wedding you know because i've been to one once would, would they say, oh, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. We don't, we don't actually need to go to a wedding. You've been to one. Perfect. No, she's going to be like, either we're getting married or I'm out of here. Either we're going to go through the actual ceremony. Or for others, you know, if you say, well, I don't need to, I don't need to take a driver's test. You know, I, I did a math test in grade three. That should count. Well, the police officer who pulls you over is going to look and say, well, you don't have a license. It doesn't matter if you did a math test. That's not what's required. And so I would ask you, if you look clearly through the New Testament scripture, Jesus clearly commands us to be immersed, to be baptized in water. And the reason is, it's the only one of those things that has actual scriptural meaning behind it. You know, sprinkling or doing the sign of the cross, none of those things have scriptural backing or meaning in it. But immersion in water does and Paul explained it to the Romans, he explained it to the Colossians. We were reading Colossians with our young men's group this week and reading in Colossians 2. Let me read it for you. Colossians 2, verse 12. He says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. He says, Man, this is a picture of what happened to you that you were immersed with Christ in his death. And it says, and with him, you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. He says, you were dead. You were dead in your sins. And because your sinful nature hadn't been cut away yet, but it says, then God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of our debt, our sin debt, the charges that were against us. He canceled all that. He took it away. How? By nailing it to the cross. 
When Jesus died on that cross, a part of me went with him. That sinful nature, the, the, the debt load of sin, he nailed it to the cross. And it says in this way, in verse 15, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. They don't have authority over us anymore. Now he does. And he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And that's why this immersion, which, you, which you'll witness at our, any of our baptism events, uh, is a simple thing of following uh, and identifying with what Jesus actually did. That it's an outward picture of what's happened on the inside. You know, you don't get baptized if you haven't actually become a Jesus follower who believes and has put their trust in him. Because when you put your trust in him, what you're saying is, Jesus, when you died on that cross, part of me went with you. That as you were buried in that grave, my old life died there. And I never wanted to come back. That when you were raised from the dead, something powerful happened and you raised me to life on the inside. You awoke something inside of me that was not awake before. That my spirit now hears your voice. And I gratefully gratefully submit and yield and obey you as the new master of my life, which you say, God, I'll do. That is what it means to be an actual believer. You know, for too long, there's been like this lukewarm approach to Christianity in the North American church. It has been. And, and you know, to be honest, to be fair, I've probably contributed to that. To make services that are like, you know, comfortable for people. To not push too hard. To not encourage people to take steps that are uncomfortable because then, then maybe they'll take steps outside the door. But James, James never pulled any punches. He just simply said, if you hear the word and you don't do it, you deceive yourself. If you hear and don't do, you deceive you. It would be unfair of me today to not mention that what Jesus command was a command. That it's not an option it's not something that we can just decide, well, we'll do something else. He's calling us. He's calling you today to that. And so I just want to ask you, where are you really? Where are you really at in these steps with Christ? Because you may not be where you think you are. To test yourself. Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Are you a follower? And maybe that's where you're at. You're part of the curious crowd. You, you, know, you haven't really decided whether you believe that Jesus is the Savior or not. Or you, you're not sure that you really need or, or want a savior or a new Lord in your life. And I would encourage you to continue following and learning about Jesus because I think you'll find that he is worth following. And maybe you've come to that place and you're like, yeah, no, I know that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed a savior and I put my trust in Jesus as the one and only, that it's not my behavior that saves me, but it's his grace and I trust it completely, that I have eternal life and that he is my Lord. That you've been immersed in Christ, that you're immersed in, in wanting to know him, that you immerse yourself in his word, that you're immersed in hearing his voice, that idea of, of being immersed in him, that, that's already happened in here. But then my final question is this, are you an obeyer? That because he's my Lord, I'm going to do what he says. Because he's my Lord, I'm going to do what he says. It doesn't matter if I feel like it. It doesn't matter if I want to. It doesn't matter if I think it's the craziest thing or not. He said it, then I'm going to do it. Because I'm a disciple. I'm going to do what he says. And you know, the truth is, when Jesus' command was, go out into the world and make disciples, the best way to make a disciple is just, just simply to, to be one. The best way to make a disciple is to be one. As I thought about that, I realized this as well, that the only way that you can obey Jesus' command to be a disciple or to make disciples, sorry, is to be one. 
The only way that you can obey Jesus' command to make disciples is to actually be one. One who follows, one who believes and has put their trust in, and one who obeys. So I want to leave you with that. It's time to test yourself. Where, where are you really at? What step are you on really? Follower, believer, trusting in, or obedience? I'm an obeyer. And so there's just a couple a couple of these discussion questions, and maybe you just ask them to yourself. So that would be one. Where are you at, really? The second is, when it comes to baptism, have you been obedient to Christ in that? Have you been immersed in water as a believer in Jesus? And if not, what's holding you back? What is stopping you from that? And is it worth is it worth being disobedient to, to, to your Lord and to your master, the one who gave his life for you? Is it, is it worth it? What is it that's holding you back? And then finally, this thought, have you possibly deceived yourself in this area where you've heard it and heard it and heard it and just simply haven't done it? Maybe it's because so much time has passed, you're like, oh, I'm kind of embarrassed. Or maybe you were unaware that this is what Jesus wanted of you, but now you're not. You know, maybe it was like, oh, I didn't think it really mattered that much, but now you're aware that it matters. Can I challenge you with this thought? That he's called us to be hearers of his word and to be doers. That we were called not just to follow or to be a fan, but to put our trust in him and to be obedient. Not to be lukewarm, but to be all in, red hot, immersed in Christ in our life. And that it would affect our lives in a very real way. I hope this has challenged you. I hope it encourages you. Maybe it's going to cause you to dig through scripture even better. Don't take my word for it. Take his. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for the gift that it is. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you that you went to that cross for us. Thank you that you carried my sin debt, and that you paid it in full. Jesus, thank you that you crushed my old master of sin and gave me the opportunity to follow a new one. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to be obedient to you, to have the courage to, to hear your voice and to walk that out. That you might be glorified, Father. That you might be glorified. Thank you again for your presence with us. <laughs> we determined to live the rest of this day just listening for your voice, aware that you're with us always because you promised it. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we will see you next time. And if you're interested in being baptized, please feel free to shoot me an email, uh, mark at kingswaychurch.ca. I would love to chat with you more about it. Until next time, have a fantastic week. I'll see you.